you know, most of the times, like when you're promoting an event and you're inviting media or influencers to attend your event, you're not going to get that coverage in advance, right? You're going to get it yeah. during the event. And then hopefully that trickles on for your next year. But right now, being able to have this opportunity means I can leverage them now with all of that promotion right on their channels to hopefully influence them to get sales this year. And because we've engaged them for that, like with them, right, that thing that they're going to be able to give their audience, they're willing to continue to post about the festival in the coming months. And then that, you know, and then they'll be here to get their own content. And so it's just a really nice way to leverage, you know, some media that normally you're just getting like, do during event content from and by that point we don't need to sell tickets anymore right hello and welcome back to the event promotion podcast in this show we talk about tips inspiring stories and tools to help event promoters reach more attendees with less work which is our mission at vesta the reason we haven't been posting very many episodes was because we were in the minnesota twins tech stars program learning how to better serve the event industry and event hosts and event organizers just like you. You can check out info.eventvesta.com to learn more about some of those improvements that we've made and some of those tools that we have that help you reach more attendees with less work. In this episode, we have Kristen Laugrover, who is the Director of Marketing and PR at the Hawaii Food and Wine Festival. This is their 13th year. It's a huge festival in Hawaii that brings people from locally uh, and all over the world to come and experience a merging of local agriculture and the chefs and the chef talent there in Hawaii and on the different islands. Kristen has a background as a director of marketing from the International Culinary Center in New York and California and is a one-person marketing team with some support, but mostly a one-person marketing team for this festival. And we get into uh, a little bit about how food connects people and cultures, and then also how, as a busy event promoter, a busy event marketer, she thinks about partner marketing, marketing automation, and different marketing channels that can be effective, including a really interesting strategy around promoting sweepstakes and using influencers, and has a, a interesting twist on that that is very helpful for event promoters trying to get the most out of influencer strategies. I hope you enjoy this episode. Follow us wherever you're watching. Subscribe to be notified whenever there are new episodes and comment down below if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover. Thanks for watching. EventVesta creates digital marketing solutions for event organizers to get more attendees with less work. Billy Roach, the owner of Crawl With Us, which is a national bar crawl event company, said that EventVesta was their number one ROI marketing channel. We work with some of the world's best event organizers, helping them reach more attendees quickly and easily, and have recently started building out more ways to boost events to markets outside of your home market, reach multiple markets if you are a national or touring organization, and leverage platforms like email to reach event seekers who are looking for events just like yours. Check out vesta.fun slash promote to learn more. Welcome, Kristen, and thank you so much for joining us. I would love to have you uh, share a little bit about the annual Hawaii Food and Wine Festival that you are the uh, Director of Marketing and PR for, and we'll, we'll dive a little bit into your background as well, which I think will be exciting. I'll let you start by just telling everyone 
what the festival is and, and kind of why it's important. Well, thank you, Craig, for having me. Um, so as Craig said, uh, my name is Kristen. I'm the director of marketing and PR for the Hawaii Food and Wine Festival, which is actually in its 13th year this year. Um, we were founded in 2011 by two world-renowned chefs, um, Chef Roy Yamaguchi and Chef Alan Wong, uh, both James Beard Award winners, um, and who were integral in the Hawaii regional cuisine movement, which was back in the 90s. Um, and so as an extension of that movement, which was really focused on the connection between chefs and our farmers and our, our local agriculture, the Hawaii Food and Wine Festival was founded to um, establish and um, spotlight Hawaii as a culinary destination. Um, and with that, highlighting our vast array of local agriculture, farmers, ranchers, fishermen, um, as well as our local chef talent. So it was really about creating a global platform for what was happening locally to attract um, the visitor um, industry during our shoulder season in the fall, so October and November. So um, now in its 13th year, we um, run the festival every fall. Uh, it, it actually has expanded from what was a three-day event in Waikiki to a three-weekend event across three islands. So we're on Maui in oh, Kaanapali, um, the big island, the island of Hawaii, and then um, Oahu as well. And so across those three weekends, we'll host um, you know over a dozen events from walk-around grand tastings with um, you know 10-plus uh, chefs um, to wine pair dinners, um, some hands-on courses, some cakey or kids uh, community-focused family events, um, wine seminars. So a lot of different um, types of events and interactions with over 150 chefs, winemakers, mixologists, sommeliers, um, pretty much anyone that you can think of in the business. Um, and we've had chefs from all around the world, uh, top chefs that you'll you know remember from TV or James Beard Award winners or Michelin starred restaurants. So we're very fortunate to be able to attract um, a really high quality um, pool of talent to the festival each year. That's amazing. That's uh, I mean, <laughs> I need to tell my wife about this. We might end up <laughs> there next year. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> tell me a little bit about the the scale of. I can imagine it's pretty large. Do you have an idea of the scale of? what um, like the attendees attendance looks like? Yeah, so um, last year we had just under 5,000 attendees and that was our first full festival coming back from, um, you know, post pandemic. So, you know, the festival actually never stopped running during, um, you know, those pandemic years. In 2020, they, uh, before I had gotten here, they pivoted to virtual events, um, virtual classes, mm -hmm. and then smaller collaboration dinners when restaurants had reopened to um, allow for, you know, uh, minimal seatings. Um, but we were still able to have some level of in-person um, activity as well. And same for 2021 and slowly ramping up to some um, larger tasting events. And then in 2022, we came back in full swing, um, you know, full festival lineup, our large scale events, some of our signature events returning um, at our larger venues. Um, and really what we were focused on, you know, during the pandemic, the the organization, which I should mention is a 501c3 nonprofit. So the Hawaii Food and Wine Festival um, 
is part of the Hawaii Ag and Culinary Alliance, and all of the proceeds from the festival go back and uh, benefit the local community. So we support um, not just local agriculture and AINA-based organizations, uh, those farm farm organizations, but also um, agricultural education for kids and culinary education for students that are looking to pursue a, a career in the culinary arts, um, as well as other community organizations. So. In total, since 2011, we've donated over three and a half million dollars. Um, last year was another record-breaking year for us. Um, we were able to raise three hundred and eighty thousand um, dollars, and that was wow. with our attendance at about five thousand people. So we're really proud of what we've been able to accomplish, and what we've seen is that we're able to impact not just the visitor industry and our hotels and our airline partners um, and local restaurants, but also. Um, other vital industries here in Hawaii, like our artists and musicians and um, other makers and uh, performing and visual artists as well. So we're really, uh, we've been able to utilize this platform to provide exposure to so many different industries in Hawaii. So is the, you mentioned that during the pandemic or the height of the pandemic, uh, there was a virtual aspect. Is there any amount of like hybrid virtual and in-person things happening now, or is it entirely back in person? Yeah, not this year. Um, we are going 100% back in person. And I think that what we've seen over the last year or so as people have been coming out of the pandemic is really a, a desire to be in person again and, and be able to gather, um, especially with community. Um, and food is one of those things that just brings people together. It really bridges cultures in such a beautiful and unique way. And so we're poised in a way that just, it feels right to be able to come back in person. Um, so no plans right now to, to pursue any sort of virtual events, but what we have done is create a, a separate digital media platform, which we um, run under, it's called Hashi Life. Um, and so we have been able to kind of bridge what we do at the festival into content that we're able to share on a much larger scale, right? Beyond just the thousands of attendees that are able to attend the events. And so we produce a, a video series called Taste Our Love for Hawaii, um, which actually just won two Tele Awards earlier this year, uh, which was really exciting. But we bring some of our chef talent from the mainland um, down to Hawaii to meet our local chefs and actually interact with our um, our farmers, our ranchers, our fishermen. So we take them on, you know, almost like a culinary journey, right? An exploration mm -hmm. where they're really getting their hands dirty and understanding both, both our host culture with, um, you know, our native Hawaiian cultural practitioners, as well as from the food side and that culinary aspect of how to bridge those techniques with those flavors. Um, and it's really just a beautiful experience to get to share with, with people all around the world. That's amazing. Yeah. I like that. The, it's, it's just interesting to see how people have transitioned to utilizing the accessibility of like, um, content as events, as sources of content, because uh, you're bringing people together, you're bringing all these amazing, in this case, like chefs and, and in many cases, like artists and dancers, and like whatever, mm -hmm. like different art forms together and different community organizations. So why not use that as an opportunity to use those connections as well to tell those stories um, in multiple formats. But I think that it's amazing that like food is definitely one of those things that really does bring people together. Food, like, mm -hmm. you know, in our, our marketing platform, the food-based events are some of the best performing. Food and music are like the two things that just uh, knock it out of the park when it comes to reach and attendees. And, and I think that just speaks to the power of food to connect people. So yeah. in 
your experience like how much how much of the festival is is really just based on the like food and the the chefs and the connection to the local agriculture and like how much of it is other art forms and things involved well um i guess for example our um our gala event this year um for the last few years we've had a art and food of wine theme. And so we've actually been able to work with different artists locally um, to come together and um, provide that inspiration for the food that you're seeing on the plate, right? And those wine pairings. Mm. Um, so last year we worked with an artist, his name is Taiji Terasaki, and he created this awesome like AR experience um, at the event. And so, um, you know, the centerpiece was a, a physical um, pottery that he had created with actual leaves, um, vegetables and things like that, that were baked into the pottery. And so it was this organic art piece that you were seeing visually that when you scanned your, um, you, when you brought your phone up to it, it created this AR experience of different vegetables that were kind of flowing onto the plate and creating this salad. Um, and so, you know, things like that are really, a, you know, cool experiential thing to bring to our guests um, where it's not just about the food that they're seeing, but like these are really unique experiences that were created just for those guests, just at this event. Um, and so we're really fortunate to be able to work with so many creative individuals um, to do that. We also work with an organization called Make Music Hawaii. Um, and they, you know, spotlight some of the best and brightest in um, talent here on the islands. And so being able to work with them to have that talent at our events and perform for our guests, it's, you know, you're getting like a sneak peek into people who, you know, maybe the next American Idol. Um, but, you know, it's it's really awesome to, to get to provide that level of exclusivity um, to our guests. And also, um, especially for the visitor audience, um, I think authenticity. There's so many attractions when you come to Hawaii that may not represent Hawaii in the most authentic light. And I think that's something that we really take to heart with what we program. Um, we want to provide you with an experience that is authentic, that is, um, you know, uh, showcases our host culture that, um, you know, really gives you a taste of what Hawaii is. And a lot of that is hospitality, right? It's that aloha spirit that we are so well known for um, that really mm. Hawaii's created this brand around. Um, so I think that hospitality aspect is something that we just deliver in a way that's, you know, not just because we're in food and beverage, but beyond um, because of this unique place that we are. I have a million other questions I could ask specifically about the festival, but I would <laughs> like to get a little bit into uh, your role uh, doing uh, mm -hmm. as director of marketing and PR. What are, um, what is it like in the mind of, of the marketer, uh, mm -hmm. promoting an event like this, that the primary audience is not local necessarily. The primary audience is probably that visitor audience. Is there uh, like, how do it's you actually really that? interesting. So, um, you would think that the majority of our audience is, um, not local residents, but actually it's about an 80, 20 split on average. Um, mm. and it varies by Island as well. And I would say that that's definitely because each Island has a very specific draw to it, a different feel to it. So on Maui, we see that, um, it's a little bit of a higher visitor attendee. It's more around 30% of our attendees are visitors. Um, but on Oahu, mm. it's, it's more like 80% are residents. Um, so with that, you know, it's, 
for me, the, I think the most interesting thing about this is that I am speaking to many different audiences at different times with the various events. Um, you know, thematically, there are events that are wine centric and wine focused. There are some that are cocktail focused. There are some that, um, have that are are hosted like on the beach and so there's different elements to these events that different people are going to speak to um even we have a dim sum brunch right that's going to be a very different audience mm -hmm. than um you know one of my uh higher ticket priced events so because of that i'm constantly thinking of well how do i share the story of um our events in the best way possible and so for me it's always it always comes back to storytelling it comes back to content it comes back to um working with our various partners and i look at that from a talent standpoint with the chefs that we have or the mixologists or the winemakers to our um, hotel partners and our tourism partners um, so we work really closely with the Hawaii Tourism Authority, as well as the um, local tourism bureaus in um, both like on islands, on the different islands, as well as abroad. So the um, Hawaii Tourism Canada and Oceania and Japan, because those are all markets where we know that there are people who are very interested in coming to Hawaii and we want to leverage this opportunity um, and they want to leverage this opportunity as well. So, you know, on one hand, there's a lot of organic, um, content creation that we do. Um, you know, we certainly work with our owned channels and, you know, that's top priority for us, whether that's email or social. Um, we have a very strong and robust earned media strategy. Um, so really leveraging uh, press and media contacts for um, key stories and, and positioning for this festival. Um, and then working with our partners and creating those relationships that are going to amplify the messages that we're already sharing to get beyond just the people who know about the festival. And so that becomes mm -hmm. the most important when we're talking about um, attracting that visitor audience. You know, we have a very robust audience that I would say is, you know, within our local community. We've got great word of mouth here. But for me, it's how do I take what we've built as that reputation of quality and, um, you know, experience and amplify that, knowing that, you know, we don't have an unlimited budget to do so. And so, mm. <laughs> you know, we have those trade partnerships, right, for advertising um, and also just how do we get creative to get the word out. At the end of the day, for us as a nonprofit, we want to make sure that as much of that money goes back to the community as possible. And so we work on a very lean budget. Um, so I think creativity is is key to figuring out, you know, ways of amplifying our message. I think you touched on something there that is I'm I'm like very big on this and, and noticing more and more every year how important this is of the partner marketing. Um, and and mm -hmm. I, I think that events and festivals in particular, like bigger events that are kind of many events clustered together, uh, have an inherent advantage there because they're collaborative in nature. So you have all of these built-in partners. How do you think about leveraging those partnerships in a way that can like maximize that reach in that uh, mutual ben uh, beneficiality. So I'll give you a great example. We are running, um, every year we run a sweepstakes. And so they've been doing this for many years before I started here. Um, but last year was my first year in taking over that initiative. And one of the strategies that I brought to the table was leveraging an influencer, a key food and travel influencer in a mainland market that, was, that we know has a great draw for visitors here to Hawaii. And working with our partners to say, hey, if I 
I get this influencer to come on board for this sweepstakes and amplify this message to their audience, would you provide the airfare? Would you provide the hotel room so that we're all working together in this? And ultimately having that influencer stay on property for them is also a win, right? They have um, a set of deliverables that they request as well. And so it did so well for us that we like nearly doubled our sweepstakes entries last year. It was kind of like a knock it out of the park sort of thing. And so it was Mm. a no brainer for us to do that again this year. And every year we work with a different hotel partner. We might work with a different island that we're featuring. And so it's this, you know, whole package of airfare, hotel accommodations, uh, tickets to the events, and then having this this amplified by an influencer who has, you know, an audience that's already interested in all of those things. What are the, I I just like going a little bit on the tactical side on these these things because yeah. the the sweepstakes thing is is really powerful especially for events mm-hmm. and i think the way that you're thinking about that is is uh really insightful is is the goal there to build like an email list is it to build social following it or is. just like brand awareness all of the above like for us it's building an email list um so we are mm-hmm. looking at building our subscribers the entries are are done via form fill on our website And so, you know, we could go the route of doing it, you know, very social focused and build our following there, but we want to be able to have someone that has a little bit more skin in the game. Um, And there's, I think, important data sets for us with a form fill that we're not going to get from social. And some of that is um, geography, right? And Mm -hmm. where they're located and just being able to see what the breakdown is of how many people are um, entering from different key markets is really important to not just us, but to our hotel partners, to our airline partners um, and things like that. So that provides us with a little bit more um, data, I think. And also because it is such a big prize, you know, it it requires someone who is going to accept the prize and also accept the, mm-hmm. um, you know, the tax um, elements that come with that, right? So you need a little bit more than just like, like, like us and follow us on social. Um, yeah. You but, also own that, that channel. Yeah, it's not yeah. <laughs> renting it from the social media channels. Yeah, yeah exactly. But I, I will say, you know, the other thing that becomes really helpful with the leveraging that influencer is because you know most of the times, like when you're promoting an event and you're inviting media or influencers to attend your event, you're not going to get that coverage in advance, right? You're going to get it yeah. during the event, and then hopefully that trickles on for your next year. But right now, being able to have this opportunity means I can leverage them now with all of that promotion right on their channels to hopefully influence some ticket sales this year. And because we've engaged them for that, like with them, right, that thing that they're going to be able to give their audience, they're willing to continue to post about the festival in the coming months. And then that, you know, and then they'll be here to get their own content. And so it's just a really nice way to leverage, you know, some media that normally you're just getting like, during event content from and by that point we don't need to sell tickets anymore right or hopefully but like for us it's not um that's not the point at that time yeah that's really smart especially for a event that you have to travel so far for (laughs) uh or exactly so 100 so you know right now it's we launch the festival every spring usually it's in may um and so we have from may till october right to promote but i know that if i'm gonna get any sort of visitor traction it's got to be from May until maybe August. And then after that point, you know, I pretty much turned down anything that's a national um, ad campaign, right? So anything that I'm doing paid social wise, all that national stuff is running really early. And then I'm slowly turning it down over the months as we get closer and then amping up all of the local stuff. Cause I know that that local audience is going to buy last minute. 
Um, we want to encourage them to buy sooner, right? Especially as things sell out. So really one of the you know key strategies is try to sell as many of these events out as possible so that the ones that are left, right? We start to drive people there, you know, and create that sense yeah, of urgency. That's really smart. How do you, do, do you have a marketing team or are you managing all of this yourself? All by myself. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I came from a situation where I had um, a small team, but like a team of about five of us or so, right? Someone that was managing mm -hmm. social and emails and then a graphics designer. And now um, I'm 100% it, right? Doing all of our PR in-house, all of our emails, all of our social, um, you know, managing these partnerships. Um, we do have a, a freelance graphic designer that we work with, thank goodness. And then photographers and, and a video team, that's, that's wonderful. Um, but it's a lot, uh, especially because the festival is only one aspect of what we do. We also yeah. run other programs like a food entrepreneurship program. Um, we've got our digital media platform. Uh, we have a wine club. So a lot of different products that we have that I'm also involved in. Um, and so the festival is just one aspect of what I have to focus on. How do you do it? <laughs> <laughs> With very little sleep. No, um, I think That's the, the most important thing has been really just coming up with systems that allow mm -hmm. me to um, track what I'm doing, to plan, to focus um, and to schedule. And so, you know, uh, I work with, you know, as a team, we work in a project management, um, you know, platform, right? We use Asana. Um, and that's really important for me to be able to plan out my, basically right now I have our entire marketing plan done for, from May through November, um, because part of those messages that I am going to be programming out rely on information from other people, right? So it relies yeah. on my event coordinator to say, okay, great. Like this is the final like uh, plan for how that event is gonna run, right? These are the things that you can tease out. But if I don't tell her in advance, then she's not gonna know that I need that information. So that allows us to all be on the same page. Um, I use later to schedule for social. Um, yeah. That's been a great tool. I you know, certainly think that that's one of the best ones that I've used. Um, we do what use Cision makes for our PR. The best for you. the best. I so I like the link in bio feature. It's um, it's a really, it's not cumbersome as a social scheduling platform. Um, mm -hmm. I think they have great resources and um, like learning content too. There's a lot of like new AI features that they're introducing that I think have become really helpful. Um, I definitely would say that we're not shying away from using AI in, you know, some of our marketing. I, you know, know it's a hot topic, you know, hot topic right now and a lot of different, um, you know, a lot of different voices on, on, you know, whether or not this is, is good for us. But I think when you, when you are a small team, you know, in total, there's only five of us, um, here. So you know, when you are a small team, I think being able to leverage tools like that in a way that's going to create efficiencies is yeah. beneficial. I don't think that it's replacing any of our jobs. I don't think that it's doing the work for us, but it is allowing us to streamline some things um, when we are producing at a volume that we are. Um, yeah. And, and you know, how do you produce that volume with just five people? Yeah, I think people uh, like event organizers and promoters are some of the most maxed out 
marketers and just uh, operation yeah. people that I know and being able to leverage. I see it happening all over uh, being, and myself too. Like I'm a one person marketing team as well. Yeah. And I'm able to produce a level of content that used to take me a team of 10. And we just don't have, we would not hire those people because we just don't have the resources to do that at this point. So like, yeah. it's like, the, it, it just allows you as the marketer to, and, and your team to just be a little, just eke out a little bit more with the resources yeah. that you have. And that scale like that, it ends up being, it could be a lot more. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I'm, I'm learning a lot as I go along too. Um, you know, I think that this year I'm really focusing on how do I better leverage my partners? Um, and in order to do mm. so, like they really need a lot more content spoon fed than I think we've yeah. given them in the past. And so, you know, if that means creating press release templates that they can drop in their name to, right. So that they've got things to work with. They want to help, right? And they want to promote our events and they want to promote what they're doing, but they also don't have time, right? And so mm -hmm. it's how do I utilize things like AI to create packets that will be beneficial to like our, our different partners in promoting the events. And so that's something that I think has been a, a shift for us in how we think about what sorts of materials we need to create to best um, leverage the various partners we have involved. Are you utilizing uh, like Zapier and like automation connections to, to make so life easier? We not currently. Um, it's something that we're looking at making a shift for next year. Hmm. Um, we would like to have some better automations and integrations with the databases that we have. You know, of course, it's always with all of this MarTech, it's, you know, what is going to speak to what you're using? And, yeah. you know, oftentimes it's just not the best solutions. Um, so mm -hmm. I'd like to get to the point, though, where we are able to leverage, especially from an email automation standpoint, um, that nurturing campaign sort of content a lot better. Um, I'd love to move us towards some SMS texting. I think that that makes a lot of sense for especially repeat ticket purchasers, um, people who, as a retention tool, um, people who have visited the festival or, or attended the festival um, as events are, you know, tickets are running out or things like that. And so I think there's a lot more that we can be doing. Um, and automation makes a lot of sense for a small team, for sure. It's that balance of like budget and, uh, you know, and then, then that small team nature too. So we're slowly getting there. Yeah. There's also like, the, it takes a while to set those things up. So it's like, I could just do it, it now. Uh, so it's like, yeah. yeah, usually like on the off season or something is like the time to do that. Exactly. Yeah. So that was like with Cision when I brought Cision on board, which, you know, again, I, I at everywhere that I've worked, it's been a, a critical PR tool taking PR in house. I don't think that I could take PR in house if I didn't have a tool like that. And it's not just about the monitoring, but it's also about the context that it allows. It's about the press release distribution that I have through that. But a big aspect of it too is that monitoring and is that reporting. And I think that, you know, our partners, our sponsors are looking to us to really give them a, a very clear idea of what their what their dollar is doing. And um, we need tools like that that are able to really demonstrate the value of earned media um, and of the efforts that we're doing. And so, but in order to get a platform like that up and running in a way that's meaningful and going to help you, it takes time, right? It takes months of onboarding and building out those dashboards and stuff. So you're absolutely right. You can only do a little bit. You're, you're only going to make those small, you know, uh, MarTech shifts at a time because 
it it's a huge undertaking. Yeah. Yeah. It does it in the long run. It's like, you know, each season, if you can etch out a few things and over the long run, mm -hmm. you're able to like, kind of just build this momentum. How long have you been with the, I have just like a couple more questions. Cause, cause I know that yeah. we're, do you feel like when you transitioned into the position, like that it, it was starting from scratch or, or did you feel like you had a good foundation of stuff that was already built there that allowed you to take over and then improve upon it? Yeah. So I came in last year, um, in 2022 in April. So at that point, the last year's festival was pretty well programmed. Um, and we were about a month away from launch. So I had a month to get all of the marketing initiatives in order for that launch, which was not a small um, feat um, to do in a month. But um, I think that the festival has had such an amazing brand that they've built over the 13 years. Um, it's so well respected. It is really a mark of quality um, in the landscape here. And it's now become the largest food and wine festival in Hawaii. Um, and so with that, you know, the, the partnerships are established, our relationships with our, you know, our local government officials and our tourism boards, like those are really well established. And that's critical, I think, to the success of a, of a festival this scale. Um, and so, so much of that, having that in place is, you know, makes your job as a marketer really easy. I think the challenge is how do you maintain it? How do you continue to deliver on the promises that you have created? Um, and how do you keep it fresh, right? In a way that isn't deviating from the brand, um, but recognizing that your audience is changing, um, you know, things are shifting every year. Um, and so it's, you know, it's part honing in on what is the core mission, right? And what are the core values of the organization? And it's also part, okay, how do we expand upon that and continue to tell that story in new and creative ways? Um, so, uh, but from a tactical standpoint, I do think that there were a lot of things that I brought to the table that weren't happening before, um, especially with, when it comes to reporting. Um, and I think that reporting is such an, a, a key aspect of what we do, especially when you're advocating for yourself as a marketer, right. Mm -hmm. And advocating for, you know, more budget or more resources and just demonstrating why we're doing the things that we're doing. And I think that sometimes we get lost in like, well, everyone's doing this, right? Everyone's, you know, everyone has a TikTok channel now, so we have to have a TikTok channel. But mm. it's important to think back to who are you serving? Who is your audience, right? And does it make sense for you? Because it's not always going to make sense for everyone and every organization and every business. And for us, right, we are a, a premium, it's a luxury event. Um, so we um, that age group is a little bit higher. It's that 35 to, you know, 55 year old audience. They're not on TikTok. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, I have to, I have to make decisions like that. Right. And it's, um, and I think that what my, from my background, I've learned how to leverage data in a way that isn't going to stifle what it is that we're doing, but provide us with some key information as to how we move forward in a strategic way um, and best leverage our, our resources. So whether that's time or budget. Um, so I think that that's something that I've brought, you know, in the last year that has helped us grow um, and grow what it is that we're doing and, and is opening up other opportunities for how we move forward because we're able to say, okay, some of this is now 
templated, it's working, right? We don't have to reinvent the wheel anymore, but now we can focus our attention on some of these other areas. Well said. <laughs> I <laughs> would like to give you a chance now, just if some, if anyone that has listened to this that wants to connect with you either professionally or they're interested in the mm -hmm. festival, where could they do that? And also where can we find more information about the festival? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you can find more information about the festival at um, hawaiifoodandwinefestival.com. Um, follow us on Instagram at highfoodwinefest. Um, you can email me if you're interested in connecting, Kristen at hawaiifoodandwinefestival.com or add me on LinkedIn. Um, but, you know, I love talking shop with other marketers, um, especially ones that are, you know, in the space or young professionals who are looking to enter into this um this industry. I was not a, um, a business major. I came through um, a degree in dance. And so I was a professional mm. dancer in a past life and, you know, found my way into marketing. So I think that it's really important for people to know that um, there's so many skills that you have and the various interests that you've had or, or degrees or careers that you might have had before you come to a space like this that are hugely important. And so, yeah, I think that, you know, if you're someone who who enjoys storytelling, um, you know, marketing is a great, a great field for you. I love that. I came from a filmmaking <laughs> background and <See? laughs> learned marketing through the act of learning to market and tell the story, like package the story of a film and, and bring an audience and absolutely a type of event as well. But uh, yeah. yeah. Well said. Yeah. So you, you totally understand. I mean, it's, I, I think that so many of the, the best marketers are the ones that don't necessarily just study it right in school. It's mm. so much of what we do, we learn in the job. Um, and I think that that's something that people miss sometimes is that like, we are constantly learning and constantly adapting. I mean, the you landscape is changing <laughs> all the time. <laughs> You're, you do not want to be in marketing if you don't like learning new things. If you're one of those people yeah. that are like, I just want my job and I want it to be the same for the next 20 years, yeah. marketing would be an absolute nightmare. But if you like yeah. and are excited by constantly learning, and it does get exhausting, uh, but it is. that is it's a it great is. field for that. It's it's a pace that we work at that I don't think a lot of people can work at this pace. Um, you know, someone yeah. described it as like constantly feeling like you're behind. And I don't think it's the being behind. It's just the fact that like, we're always looking for opportunity. And so when mm -hmm. opportunity strikes, you you don't wanna say, oh, I have to wait. Like I, I, you know, I need three weeks before I can actually work on this for you. It's like, no, you know, you see media come to your door and you're like, let me make this happen in 24 hours, right? What is it gonna yep. take? Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And I enjoyed talking, talking uh, event marketing and marketing yeah. in general with you. And it sounds like a really wonderful festival. Well, we hope to see you maybe in the future. Definitely let me know. Um, and, you know, there's always something new and exciting in store for us. And so, you know, we're, we're hoping that we might be able to expand to new places, um, you know, expand the time of year that we're engaging with our, our audience as well. And so I definitely think it's an exciting time. So keep, keep your eyes peeled on, on what we have going on. Awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs>